Alrighty, and welcome back, everybody, to the Norwood Noise, episode 11, the turn of the decade, if you will, for this podcast. Um, <clears throat> it is Tuesday, January 18th. Um, again, I think we're going to continue. It works best for both of our schedules, Graham and I, to record these on Tuesday nights, upload them on Wednesday morning for you. That way you've got the Wednesday preview, um, as the Xavier games are typically on Wednesdays, uh, and then that way also it just works out for us to recap all of the Tuesday night action and just kind of put it all together for you on this late Tuesday night into a Wednesday morning pod. So I think this is going to be kind of the new recording time for us. Um, but, yeah, let's get right on with it. Uh, and get right underway. Graham, first of all, how are you? Uh, what's going on? Anything anything crazy? How's the family? All that good stuff. Uh, you know, not a whole lot. We've had a f- few busy weeks getting settled back into Xavier with uh, basketball and just seeing friends, um, having a little bit of fun in between. But um, it's been good. Everyone's been safe and healthy, so that's all you can hope for nowadays. Absolutely. So dive right mm-hmm. in to our first game I want to talk about was um, Michigan State just edging out Minnesota. Um, Minnesota Minnesota with a late surge, and then Michigan State had to kind of like fall the pieces back into place and kind of t- assert where they were, and it took a buzzer beater um, to just get past Minnesota. Um, that same Minnesota team, I mean, that same Michigan State team just lost, um, to Northwestern the other night, um, behind a really valiant effort from Northwestern to start the, start the first half. Um, anything to add about Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, nothing huge, um... Just a, a tough, a tough loss at home uh, to a not great uh, Northwestern team. Julius Marble obviously leading the way for the Spartans. Um, he had 18 in that game, uh, even though he's only been averaging about six this year. Uh, he was dominating down low. But yeah, I mean, really, just kind of a, I wouldn't say shocking, um, but a tough loss on the resume, especially being at home. You know, any any conference uh, road loss, you know, for a Big Ten team isn't going to be the end of the world. It's not going to kill their resume. Um, but losing at home to a team that's two and four in the conference and just above five hundred at nine and six is never going to look good on your resume. And looking forward, I think you know that home loss is really going to hurt them. Um, but good news on the Sparty side of things. Um, after a two-game swing here over the next week, uh, they've got they're going on the road to Wisconsin and then on the road to Illinois. Um, after that, it's pretty smooth, steady or smooth and smooth sailing um, with Michigan at home, uh, going on the road to Maryland and then at Rutgers. Uh, some winnable games definitely there uh, for a little bit before uh, having Wisconsin return to their home court and then again another couple easier games there for the Spartans. So I don't think anything to panic, but just definitely a tough loss that's not going to look good on the resume come March. Mm-hmm. Um, moving right along, though, another team uh, that secured a couple big victories this weekend, uh, Oregon, um, or over this past week, really, uh, knocking off, going down to L.A. and knocking off both UCLA and USC. Um, some shocking results there, I'd probably say. I don't think anyone was really um, expecting that one. Um, but again, just really showing that I think those COVID pauses, um, are, you know, were ho- hurting both sides. Um, and yeah, I just think it'll be interesting to see what this Oregon 
team has uh, to show kind of moving forward. But obviously, overtime victory against UCLA on the road, uh, 84-81. I did watch the end of that one. Um, was a great finish there. Um, both Juzang, um, obviously for UCLA, um, and then Jacob Young of Oregon, both uh, pairing up for 23. So again, uh, two you know great scores. It was fun to watch them go at it. Um, no fans of Pauley Pavilion um, or at USC. So again, just kind of a, a little change of pace, a little reminder that we are still kind of amidst a, a deadly pandemic and uh, interesting to see how those teams responded. And I think both UCLA and USC fans are you know, a little upset, a little, you know, know that it's a little unfortunate that they didn't have um, that home court advantage that they usually would. Yeah, to, to add on about Oregon going over UCLA and USC, two big wins can really change the momentum of your season. I think Dan Altman's done a great job at Oregon, um, especially developing their backcourt. I mean, in the past few years, they've had Peyton Pritchard, and you're like, oh, he's going to the league, it's, it's a good drop-off, and then you go right back with Duarte, and he did a great job. And now Will Richardson has stepped in to this point guard role. He's been phenomenal this year, shooting almost 50%, 14 points, three rebounds, three assists. I think that Oregon deserves a little bit more credit when we talk about them in terms of the top programs because consistently they rebuild and have great pieces. We yeah. do not want to see them in the tournament right now. No, absolutely. And then you forget, and then you know you can't forget too, Dylan Brooks was before that as well for Oregon. Oh, yeah. So, again, right. just, just a line of great uh, backcourt guys there for Oregon. Um, they do not have another ranked team on the schedule until the 19th of February. So, like you said, this could really flip the momentum uh, with was teams like Washington, Oregon State, Colorado, Utah, Stanford, Cal, Arizona State, all on the schedule um, in the next month or so before you have to go you know, to the on-the-road test at Tommy Lloyd's Arizona team, now ranked number three in the country. Obviously, that will be um, a tough game there, and it will be a tough road test. But until then, you got to take care of business and get some wins. Um, I think the early season losses hurt them. Obviously, getting blown out by BYU, losing handily to St. Mary's, getting blown out by Houston, um, and then losing to Arizona State and Stanford, both respectively, early. Um, everyone was kind of shocked, and, and I think this Oregon team had higher expectations. But I really do think, <clears throat> excuse me, I do really think that they were kind of just trying to find their footing a little bit. Um, and I think that really, I almost think even though it was a loss, that eight-point loss to Baylor at home was almost like a little turning point. Like it, it was like, yeah. all right, they looked respectable. They looked like they could really hang with that team. And since then, it's been nothing but wins um, on a five-game win streak now. So, again, definitely Oregon, a team out west to keep an eye on and definitely making the case for a four-bid uh, Pac-12. Mm -hmm. All righty. Moving right along for the Ducks, uh, Wisconsin is another team that's catching fire as of recent um, a win over Ohio State really solidifying um, just their uh, you know their mojo and what they've got going on there. Uh, Johnny Davis has obviously been just incredibly impressive. Um, but yeah, ripping off uh, now six straight for uh, Wisconsin, capped off by that uh, that win um, versus Ohio State, and obviously another ranked opponent. And then um, this uh, Friday. Uh, night they're going they're they're at home against Michigan State so I'll be interested to see how the Spartans uh, do coming off a tough loss to Northwestern um, and then again that'll be a good one um, this upcoming Friday evening mm -hmm. and to add on to Wisconsin that it's been Johnny Davis's team this year I mean he's been unbelievable one of the best players if not the best player in college basketball this season but the scary thing about this Wisconsin team is that they have their guy and they're 
role guys are kind of stepping into their role with Davidson and Wall being the leading scorers the past two games while um, Davis has been doing his thing. Right now they're in um, a somewhat close game with Northwestern, but they have multiple players in double figures. It's not just Johnny Davis anymore, and that's been their, their weakness early on when they brought in those few losses is that it was just Johnny and that's all you had to look at. But with freshman Chucky Hepburn playing weather, better, and Wall and Davidson kind of stepping into their role, um, Wisconsin has definitely picked up the pace from kind of like an un, unsure start to their season. Yeah, I mean, even that, you know, even saying that, like, they only have two losses on the schedule, and they're both quality losses. I mean, a loss to Providence is never going to hurt you, especially when they're going to be a quad one team all season, and a loss at Ohio State, again, not going to hurt you. Um, yeah, definitely had some close ones early on uh, that were a little shocking to some. Um, really tight one against Houston, another tight one against St. Mary's, another tight one against Georgetown. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I'm excited to see what this uh, Wisconsin team has to bring, and Johnny Davis is one of those guys that – I don't think he's going to get the hype um, that Cade uh, Cunningham did last year for Oklahoma State, but I think he's one of those guys that definitely come March is going to be pretty hyped up around the tournament, and everyone will be excited to see what he can do, where what heights he can take his team to mm-hmm. uh, come March time. So that'll be good. Um, moving swiftly onward, uh, DePaul over the Hall, um, another noteworthy uh, Big East upset. Seton Hall, again, I think still trying to find their footing, footing right around that 20 to 30, you know, top 20, top 30 teams in the country mark. Um, so I'll be interested to see kind of how they respond from that. Obviously, DePaul's next game is tomorrow night against Xavier. Our Musketeers uh, travel to Chicago along with myself. Uh, we'll be making the debut out in Chicago. Um, <clears throat> I'll be interested to see, you know, that game in person. I know DePaul not necessarily known for their home court advantage, uh, kind of being an off-campus arena and all that. Um, but excited to see it and definitely excited to go on the road and cheer on X. Um, should be a good time there. And then really the big shocker from the weekend, uh, unranked Oklahoma State uh, beating Baylor. Baylor taking their second loss in the week, uh, losing to Texas Tech um, at home and then Oklahoma State as well. So it, really just a tough couple games there for Baylor. I don't think anything to panic for the Bears. Um, but, I mean, unless you have anything to add, I think that's that's about all there is to say for Baylor. A tough two-game skid, but I'm sure Scott Drew will get it back on track. For yeah, and to add, um, they've been out with Sochan, who's – been solid for them um, as a freshman. He's been, you know, kind of like their tertiary guy, getting you a few points and a few rebounds every night. Um, I think I think this is pretty much what everyone predicted about Baylor is that they're a very dominant team in non-conference, kind of under the radar to start. But then it's like, oh yeah, this team's no, clear number one, clear number one. But then everyone knew that in this tough Big Twelve that they're gonna lose a few games, right. and when you're out. Um, one of your key guys. It only makes sense. This is a great win for Oklahoma State. It also looks good for us as Xavier fans. You know, that Oklahoma State win, we weren't sure how good it was going to look because they've been up and down. But when you beat Baylor on the road, that's going to help us out come tournament time when we're battling for one of those top seeds, hopefully. So uh, that's a good win for Oklahoma State. I think Baylor's not going to panic about that at all. I'm sure they've already found their footing with a win in Morgantown tonight. Um, but I think Scott Drew has done a great job with Baylor in the last few years that I don't think there's any reason for them to be concerned about these two games. No, not at all, especially not the Texas Tech loss. The only thing I would say about Oklahoma State is being a season Big 12 you know, follower, I you know, knowing that 
the tough part about those unexpected losses is when you take them, then you kind of lose the ability to take a loss later if you're trying to win that league title mm. um, to a quality team, you know. So <clears throat> it might be kind of tough, you know, if, if Baylor goes on the road and, and you know, obviously they're probably, you know, expecting losses at, at places like, you know, Kansas and Iowa State. Obviously, went on the, on the road to Iowa State and already got that win this year, but just uh, there's some tough arenas that they got to go to, and now you know it's it's not necessary completely, but it would be nice to get a road victory here or there um, against a tough team that they're not really expected to win. And I think um, it'll definitely be a little bit tougher now, uh, you know, considering they did take that loss to Oklahoma State. But like we said, not the end of the world. Arkansas, uh, no Musselman, no Eric Musselman for Arkansas this weekend, but a win over uh, top 12 LSU. So. Definitely something to keep an eye on there. Arkansas, again, I don't think there's a lot to say there. Up and down, I think they will probably maybe sneak into the tournament. Um, not Definitely haven't had the best um, resume, you know, so far. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't think they're completely out of it, I wouldn't say. Um, obviously, losses to Oklahoma, um, a tough one to Hofstra, and then a three-game skid there where it really just kind of started to fall apart at Mississippi State. Uh, Vanderbilt at home, and then at Texas A&M. <clears throat> Again, not all the end of the world. Um, I think if they respond well, obviously winning at LSU is kind of a show of response. Um, but I think as long as they respond well, they should still be a tournament team. Um, and plenty of chances to prove themselves. Again, they still got to play Auburn on the schedule at home. Um, they got to go on the road to Tennessee and play Tennessee at home. And then they got Kentucky and LSU. So still um, five top ten or top 25 matchups left on the schedule. Um, three of those being in the top 13 as of right now. So, again, plenty of options uh, and chances still to prove themselves. And I still think that Arkansas can be a good team. Again, you know, just like they were last year, can really light, up, light it up, put a lot of points on the board. So I think that'll be all in favor of them uh, moving forward. Um, but we'll just have to see kind of what that brings, um, what that win brings, and see if that brings them any momentum moving forward. Yeah, and when you drop your first three league games and then you win back-to-back, um, and then you have to play South Carolina at home, and Arkansas is a great home court advantage. I think that this is a perfect opportunity to turn the tide, especially when, while they can score and they will score, their defense has been one of the main stories. And when you shut down a team like that, when you go on a 10-0 run with not even scoring that well, just stop after stop against a very talented LSU team at home, I think this is – if I'm a Razorback fan or anyone that's making a prediction about Arkansas, I'd be like, this is a great win because of how much it's going to change the next few games for their season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that gets us through the weekend, um, all the notables from the weekend. Uh, But the weekend extended this this past weekend. We did have a long weekend, Martin Luther King uh, Day on Monday. Um, So a nice little extra day off for us, a day to honor him. Um, and everything he did for our country, obviously. Um, but on top of all that, a uh, nice little day to kick back and watch a nice little noon rescheduled game. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue, Illinois. Man, it was a thriller. I watched uh, about five minutes to go in the second half all the way through the end. Um, double overtime thriller. Um, just a lot of fun. Uh, Anthony Corello back for Illinois uh, for his first game in over a month. He was out with, a concussion, with a, excuse me, out with a concussion. And it was one of those things where it was like, all right, you know, what Corbello are we going to get today? We don't really know. Like, he's coming back, first game back. We'll just have to see. Um, he made multiple clutch shots down the stretch, mm-hmm. and he was ready to go for that game on Monday. So it was good to see him back. 
Um, Sasha Stefanovic uh, for Purdue was shooting the lights out. Um, Travion Williams obviously taking care of things down low. Um, Kofi Coburn did fell out early in the first overtime, but still he had a great performance as well. Just a lot of really fun guys to watch. Um, and for me, that kind of further, you know, embolstered my um, my pick from earlier in the season. I really do think this Purdue team is going to win the national title this year. I think they're they've got all the pieces. Um, they got two stars in the front court um, that never are on the court at the same time. Have you seen that stat? Mm-hmm. Um, less than like 0.3% of minutes played this year have they been on the court at the same time. Uh, like Matt Painter will not put them on the court at the same time, but that's great because then you've got it both ways. You know, if you got it, if you need to match up with more of a big bruiser strong forward, that's what Travion Williams is for. But then if you, you know, need some height or need some shot blocking ability around the rim, you got seven, four max ED mm-hmm. um, that you can just throw in there at your, you know, whenever you need. So, Again, um, just a, a really great team and, and a lot of a lot of pieces working for uh, for um, Purdue. Obviously, Jaden Ivey, another big piece. He was <clears throat> he was very clutch. Excuse me on uh, Monday and got hit some big shots down the stretch as well. So again, really fun to watch that one. Um, and I, I really do think that Purdue team has all the pieces. Uh, but good to see Illinois kind of getting back into a little bit of a groove and being competitive in some of these bigger. Higher stakes games. Yeah, now Illinois six and one in in the Big Ten, and they have to go to at Maryland. And Maryland, no slouch, but they've definitely had some problems early this year with the coaching carousel mid season. Um, I think that Illinois is a team that is very well coached, and with Carbello back, Frazier's doing his thing. Plummer's a great shooter, and obviously you have Kofi Coburn in the middle, who's quite unbelievable. Um, I think that if they get their rhythm once they start playing the top teams in the Big Ten, you know, they've gotten away with Nebraska, Michigan, Maryland, and Minnesota, and now they're sitting at 6-1. and one. But you have at Maryland, and then they go at home with uh, Michigan State, and then they travel to Northwestern. But those three games are very winnable. Um, and then you have your tougher stretch where you have to play Wisconsin, and then you go to at Assembly Hall and in Indiana, and then you're at Purdue. I think they really need to find their footing once they play these better teams, because having those four, four, three losses early on to Marquette, UC, and Arizona, while Marquette's been solid, and Arizona, you know, is a good team. You don't want to have three losses when you have to play the tough end right. of the Big Ten right before the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then to wrap up, kind of our early uh, early week action. Really, only one super noticeable one: KU, uh, Kansas, going on the road to Norman uh, in Lloyd Noble Center and sneaking out a victory over Oklahoma. Not gonna lie, I was. This happened just before we record this pod. I was doing some homework, Graham. I was just kind of hanging out, um, kind of tuned out. Uh, KU was up seventeen at one point, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, cool. We're gonna, you know." Pull this out here. Mm-hmm. Um, Ochai got shut down. That's weird, um, but really not too worried about it. And I kind of looked away, and I turned back, and it's a tie ball game. Uh, Oklahoma goes on a 20-2 to two run over an eight-minute span and uh, have at that point had still held Ochai Abaji, one of the nation's top leading scorers, and KU's obviously leading scorer at 21.5 points per game, had held him to zero points uh, through 15 minutes of play. Mm-hmm. And... That's obviously, so I tune back in. I get get straightened back out again. Um, and Kansas ends up pulling out the victory 
um, kind of on the back of Ochai, even though he had been shut down all game, um, hit back-to-back threes and two possessions, uh, and then finished a tough layup as well. So he had eight points uh, in about a minute and a half span, um, and then ended up having 10 of 12 uh, over the next couple of minutes. So again, finishing with 10 points, uh, but really scoring when it mattered most. Um, also notable, Christian Brown uh, hitting a three with about 10 seconds left to put him up three. Really kind of put the game on ice. And Bill Self, must I note, he didn't used to do this, but started doing it now. He fouled up three with under 10 seconds to go, and I love that play. Um, I don't understand. Same. I don't understand why you would give the other team a shot. So Bill Self did go out there and foul. Um, good to see him taking care of that piece. Um, but again, yeah, t- a tough fought win on the road for KU. Um, again, Think, I think they've got all the pieces um, to be a really good tournament team. I just think we'll have to see how they kind of, you know, uh, kind of touch up some of the edges a little bit. Remy Martin's still getting back into the flow of things. Um, he wasn't super impressive tonight. Um, coming off, obviously, a, a little bit of a wrist injury. Um, a knee and was bothering Yeah, a knee was bothering, bothering him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, just lots of a couple different things going on for him uh, but he wasn't you know crazy tonight only two points on the board and one assist um so nothing crazy out of him but really on the back of brown and Jalen wilson starting to find his footing a little bit so good to see that if you're a jayhawks fan mm-hmm. um, especially with remy and unchai not doing well exactly so to, yeah to talk about oklahoma everyone knew that this might not be oklahoma's year since it's a first year porg in a very large program yeah but they, if they have hopes of making the tournament, it needs to be soon. Because uh, you have to go on the, you at home you play Baylor, and then you travel to Morgantown, and right after that you gotta go play Auburn in the SEC Big Twelve, which is at Auburn. Yeah. And later in the year, like if you don't get some good wins in this little bulk where they have TCU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, I think mean, they'll be screwed because you have to go. To, you play Texas Tech at Kansas, Texas at Iowa State, and then at Texas Tech, all in a five-game stretch. Right. I mean, this is a team that I was rooting for. It's a fan of Porter Moser and what he did um, at Loyola Chicago. But at this point, like, while they aren't a bad team, these losses yeah, are I mean, just going to stack so quickly. Yeah, and looking back, too, like early season losses don't look great on the schedule. I mean, having Utah State on there as a loss, Butler as a loss at home, like mm-hmm. both of those are not good losses to have on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and one point to TCU on the road yeah. was a tough one, too. So, again, we'll, we'll see what this Oklahoma team has. Um, obviously, don't think they're out of tournament conversation yet, but it's going to have to start turning turning quickly there for Porter Moser's, Porter Moser's group. Um, yeah, so... All right, well, that wraps up uh, kind of our big games. Then we're going to do a little a little mid-major roundup, kind of update you mid-season. There's really three teams kind of emerging from the pack as those mid-major teams that look like they might make uh, the NCAA tournament, maybe could possibly make a little run. Um, so we'll touch on those real quick. Graham, we'll let you kick it off. I mean, you are you are Mr. Mid-Major here. Um, of course. You know, being a fan of one and everything, so I'll let you kick yeah. it off. So to talk about my Davidson Wildcats, um, it was a shaky start. This year, they had a very layup game to start the year with Delaware, and they won very convincingly. And then you played at San Francisco, which has been a decent team, but still a loss nonetheless. And then you kind of get embarrassed. Throw, throw some respect on my 
West Coast Conference, San Francisco oh, okay. Dons. They're, they will make the NCAA tournament maybe as not large. Like, seriously, I mark my words. They are really, really good. Anyways, R- respect team. given. <laughs> and, and then you get embarrassed by New Mexico State, and then you're looking at this team, you're like, you're one and two. Um, first year without Kellen Grady and what feels like forever. First year without Carter Collins, who was a very solid player. And then since then, after starting one and two, with two losses where it wasn't close, you go on to win. Now 14 games in a row, and all by convincing numbers against pretty t- top-of-the-table A-10 teams. And we were just talking about this with mid-majors. The problem arises is if you want an at-large or respect in the tournament if you win your um, yeah, your auto bid or even for the lesser to make the AP poll and rank and you get the credibility for your university, like you need to win almost every game. And while they, the A-10 isn't some prestigious, you know, where you have like every team's a gauntlet, you know, type of conference, you know, there are some very solid teams. Um, they have yet to play St. Bonaventure. They just played VCU, and they squeezed one out, but then you have to turn around and play them again after you travel to Fordham, um, who's been a solid team. They're about just over 500. So I'm very – obviously I'm rooting for my team, but I'm also rooting for the other notable uh, mid-majors that – I've gone on very well, like well-deserving win streaks against good teams in their conference, but there's just such a high presence and volume of good teams. Mm-hmm. Like if the Big Twelve sends six or seven teams, right? And the SEC sends six or seven teams, and the Big East, and the Big East sends eight teams, right? Exactly, <laughs> or it's whatever, whatever. Eight, eight bid Big East, call it here now. Yeah, if, buy stock now. Big if, East if, is going to be good this year. All due respect to Butler and DePaul and Georgetown. I hope this doesn't bite me in the ass tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. But the bottom three teams, like, what if one of them goes on a Cinderella, Cinderella run, and then you have to send seven at-large Big East teams? Right, exactly. I mean, it's very possible when you only have 11, yeah. 11 teams in a conference. Mm-hmm. But... I really hope that, as we've been talking about all year with transfer um, eligibility loose and COVID years and veteran coaches having more time to develop their in-house guys, that you want to root for these mid-majors to get at-large bids and go on runs. But, like, when Murray State or Davidson loses to, like, a middle-of-the-road team in their conference and – a Big East team and a Big 12 team is, you know, going night in and night out playing solid teams, and their loss is at Marquette, and Davidson's loss is at Fordham. Right. Like, it's not it, – you can't equate them at all. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And, and you mentioned uh, the Bonnies in there. You know, we both talked about them at the, on, in the preseason pod saying, oh, this is – yeah, this is going to be the mid-major this year. And they've not been not not played up to expectation. We kind of did. We touched on them early, uh, kind of mid December. We said they took that loss early to Northern Iowa, which wasn't the end of the world. But we did say if this team loses to UConn handily, um, it's probably over. Um, that hope for an at large bid, unless you go and win obviously the A10 tournament. Um, but they did lose on, uh, against UConn at home, and then and then brought Virginia Tech in and got pounded uh, by 37. 
Um, so just a tough loss there. Had a couple games postponed, canceled, and then they lose by 18 to Dayton on the road. So really, that's probably over, obviously, unless you go and win that A-10 tournament. Not saying that's out of the question. I do still think they're a very good team, uh, but that at-large bid is probably shot there for the Bonnies. To update you on a couple other um, uh, mid-major teams that you obviously want to keep an eye on kind of come tournament time, Murray State, only two losses, uh, first in the OVC currently, um, just got a big road win at Belmont, beating them by 22 uh, in their own place. So that's probably the best um, team they're going to face all year. Uh, they do get to play Belmont one more time. Outside of that, again, like we were saying earlier, you got to take care of business. You cannot lose another game. Uh, really probably through the rest of the conference schedule, just because Mauricio has two losses on their schedule. One was at Auburn, so that's obviously going to be respected, and it was only by 13. But the big one was early season loss to East Tennessee State. Losing by eight um, at home is really going to hurt them come tournament time. But again, obviously they're favored to win the OVC uh, tournament, but just in case they don't, um, definitely something to keep an eye on there. Um, and then also Loyola Chicago, uh, another team I wanted to touch on briefly. That team, I mean, I am going to have such a gripe with, and we were talking about this earlier. I'm going to have such a gripe with if it if we get to Selection Sunday here in about, what is it? I mean, we're down to eight weeks now. Mm-hmm. Eight weeks. If we get to Selection Sunday in eight weeks and Loyola Chicago is not a six seed or better, I'm – I will be shocked, and I will feel terrible for whatever three, one, two, or three seed has to play them in the early rounds because, mm-hmm. again, it's going to be just like last year. That Illinois team was very, very solid, but when little brother Loyola Chicago gets a chance to play the big state school in their own state and they're like supposedly supposed to win the national championship <laughs> that year, like of course Loyola Chicago is going to win that game. You know, they've gone on Cinderella runs before. They were – they were that team last year. Um, obviously, Porter Moser had, you know, as head coach, and I get it. It is first year coach Arnold Valentine for Louisville, Chicago, but they only have two losses on the schedule, and they were to Michigan State and Auburn. Right. We're both in the top ten right now. Like it's this team. Granted, while they haven't really played any other, you know, crazy good teams. Obviously, they did beat Chicago, you know, in the little their version of a crosstown shootout um, <laughs> by four uh, on the road, and then went to Vanderbilt and got that win there as well. You know, so a couple quality wins, um, as well as San Francisco at home winning that one by five. That was a neutral court game. I don't know if you saw that. That was at that. It was like a high school gym in Utah. That right. was awesome. I mean, it was like battle of the mid majors. Like it was awesome. Need more um, of that. Yeah, I watched that game live streamed on Twitter. Is where I watched <laughs> that game. Like it was not on TV. It was awesome. Uh, really fun to watch that Security one. Security camera. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so really cool to see that. Um, but again, you know, obviously they don't have the notables in Cameron Crutwig this year, um, but still think that this team, as long as they get through NBC play, fine, um, they will, they will probably be uh, a very solid team come tournament time. So, all right, that wraps our mid-major wrap up, and uh, we've got a couple new segments for you here at the turn of the decade, uh, the turn of, I guess, the podcast decade. But really quick, just want to update you on a couple things going on right now, Graham. Uh, Texas holding on to a three-point lead uh, against K-State, about to hit the under four. Um, so hopefully Texas, you know, for their sake, will pull away with that one. Um, Duke's on the road at Florida State tonight. We got 11.55 to go in the second, and Florida State's up three, um, just to keep you noted. So we'll keep an eye on that one as we go throughout the pod. 
That is the disadvantage to doing these on Tuesday nights is some of the Tuesday night matchups aren't finished up yet, so we do just want to keep you updated on those as we go throughout. Currently, Texas Tech holding in a seven-point lead at home against Iowa State right now. No real big shocker there. And Tennessee only a three-point slight lead over Vanderbilt right now on the road, so just something to keep an eye on. Um, by the way, the weirdest court in all of college basketball. Who's right? that? Vanderbilt, the way they've got that up on like a stage. Yeah, no, no I don't not, like it. Yeah, not down with it. Um, no disrespect, of course, but... All right, so we're... Uh, the worst one... I'm sorry to cut you off. The worst one is Oregon's. Oh, well, that thing's just hideous. That's an, that's an abysmal abomination of good, hard-earned Phil Knight money. Yeah, exactly. Um, all righty. So we got a couple new segments for you. Um, just real quick uh, before we wrap it up here. Um, so we're going to do a pick segment where we're going to pick uh, three college basketball games. Uh, so for us, they'll be Wednesday night games just because... Um, that is the only one we have lines for, so obviously we'll go based on the betting line um, for tomorrow night's matchup. So we'll get three of those in, and we'll Graham and I'll share our picks, um, and then we'll also do one special specialty uh, game. So not a college basketball game. We'll just do like uh, I think we're gonna do NFL playoffs this weekend, just because um, obviously that is what's going on in the world of sport outside of hoops. Um, and then we'll wrap it up uh, with one trivia question each, just a little something fun to bring to every episode, something you can kind of keep your eye out for, that kind of thing. Um, and then obviously, um, and then on top of all that, we'll just do our kind of our typical wrap up um, with uh, with our uh, musky minute, obviously, wrap it up. So. All righty, looking at it tomorrow. Um, for some reason, I am not able to pull up the top 25 games. This is kind of frustrating. Here we go. Okay. First game. <clears throat> um, this is an interesting one. LSU, number 13, coming off a loss. Mm-hmm. At Alabama, who we've talked way too much about this year. <laughs> um, Alabama, minus three and a half. Graham, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, I... Generally believe that they're one of the hardest teams to predict right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that I've, I think when you have the home crowd behind you at Alabama, that their style of play really resonates with the fans if it's going well. Um, LSU's kind of been struggling on the defensive end. Um, late game situation. I think Alabama's talented enough to keep it close. Um, I'll take Alabama on this game. Um, Just because of the fact that I think they match up evenly in terms of talent. Um, And if the things start to fall their way, LSU's been having some problems closing out games and barely escaping games. But when you put Alabama's fast pace, jacking up shots, style of play with a home crowd, I'll take Alabama. Okay. Um, I will go contrary to you. I will take uh, LSU. I think Will Wade's team gets it done. Uh, coming off the loss this past weekend, I think LSU is talented enough to go on the road and get a win there. So I'll take them to win and cover. Obviously, with the win. <laughs> um, all righty. Uh, next game on the docket, Marquette going on the road to Villanova. Villanova 12.5. and a half. Obviously, Villanova coming off a big win over Butler this weekend, beating them by 40. Um, what you got on that one? Uh, I think this is all Wildcats um, tomorrow. 
I I think that it's going to be much larger than 12 points. I think Marquette doesn't have the um, cohesion and experience yet. One of the youngest teams in the country mm-hmm. and with a new coach. Obviously, Shaka Smart is not some guy off the street. He's a very talented coach that's proven himself at several schools now. But I just think that going in to the pavilion um, at Villanova is very, very hard um, when you're a young team. This is going to be a great game to see what Marquette can do against a Villanova team on the road and because this is going to be the same team, I think, for the next two, three years at Marquette. Um you know, you root for a close one, but I think Villanova wins by more than 12 and a half. Um, absolutely. Uh, I hear you there. Um, I'm going to go contrary to that only slightly. I do think Villanova wins the game, but I will take Marquette to cover. I think 12 and a half is a lot um, against this Marquette team. I do think they're super athletic, and I think obviously uh, Shark Smart um, is a great coach, so I will take him uh, to cover me that 12 and a half. But again, I do think Villanova will get the win overall. And the final game on the docket for tomorrow night, uh, let's take Kentucky uh, going on the road to College Station against Texas A&M. Kentucky minus 7.5. Well, Texas A&M, you know, this is now a 15-2 team that's lost to a TCU team that's put up fights against the top teams in the country this year. And they've lost to Wisconsin, which is proving to be a pretty pretty good loss um, at home, although... But they've had their, they've found their rhythm in the past few games. Uh, while they haven't played the best teams, they've actually played some of the worst teams in the SEC. Texas A&M's beat Missouri, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Georgia. Um, and this is commendable for this um, Aggies team, especially behind um, kind of like a disappointing year last year for the Texas A&M Aggies. I think that... Um, Kentucky will win big. I think that Texas A&M won't be able to put up with just the amount of physicality and athletes that they're going to have to deal with when they've been kind of just like having these smooth games against the inferior teams of the SEC. I think once Kentucky comes in, um, I could see them winning by 10 or 15 points tonight or tomorrow night. All right, so you'll take them to win and cover. Uh, I will also take Kentucky to win. I think Texas A&M uh, is going to cover, though, again. I do think it's going to be a little bit closer um, there. I think it'll be probably a three- to five-point game would be my guess there. Good picks. All righty. So we'll keep track of those and kind of see how those wrap up and maybe keep a little running tally um, on that. Um, all righty. NFL games this weekend. A um, couple big playoff games coming up. A couple good divisional games uh, looking forward. But uh, let's go uh, hometown. Uh, let's stick you know a little something fun here. Um, throw it in there. Let's go Bengals, Titans, Tennessee minus three and a half in Nashville. What do you think? This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see it. I, I, I really am. I think that Tennessee is very good. Um, and I look forward to a really fun game. I think as much as I dislike Cincinnati, I am kind of, you know, in, it's interesting to see uh, what they can do. Um, this weekend, I will take um, Cincinnati to uh, win and cover, but only I th- I think it's gonna be um, it's gonna come down to like a, a late drive or a field goal. Um, I could see this game coming down to um, a 
a 26-17 or 26-20 um, by that logic. 26, uh, final, final score will be 26-23 Cincinnati. That's my Love final it. pick. Um, I want to be on the Bengals train to some extent. Like I am obviously being from Kansas City, being a Chiefs fan, I am upset about the loss. Um, and I do. I actually would love if the Chiefs could play the Bengals again in the champion, in the AFC Championship, to go to the Super Bowl. I think that would be great. I'd love that rematch. I'd love to see them again, mm-hmm. um, especially if they had to go to Arrowhead. That would be great. Um, I also think if any team is going to go into that divisional, like if I were to pick any team from the Wild Card Weekend uh, from the AFC side that that's going to play that divisional game against the Titans, um, if I were to pick any team that had a chance to beat them, I, I would say the Bengals. Um, Although I do think, I mean, Derrick Henry's back this weekend, and while I understand the argument that, you know, it takes can take some time for guys to get back in shape, and football shape especially, I think if there's any exception to that rule, it's Derrick Henry. And I mm-hmm. really do think that guy is that much of a, a difference maker. So I am going to take the Titans here uh, to win um, and cover the three and a half. I think it's going to be about a touchdown or a touchdown and a half game. So I'm going to go 31-24 Titans. So it'll be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, so all right. That'll wrap our picks for the weekend there. And I think we'll probably keep the NFL playoffs kind of as a theme for now. And then we'll move on to some other stuff once those are wrapped. Um, all right, trivia time. Uh, you want to go first? You want me to? No, I would love for you to go first. All right, I got a little trivia segment for you. I feel like this is a little bit of a, an easy one to start, but we'll see if you know it. We'll see if you know it. Um, officially named uh, the University Arena. This University of New Mexico basketball arena is more commonly referred to as what? Hmm. Does he know the name of New Mexico's arena? I'll give you some other hints. This arena also hosted the famous 1983 Final Four, uh, which famed uh, NC State's last second alley-oop to win Jim Valvano his first and only championship. University Arena. Also known as. Hmm. New Mexico. Is it just the arena? Is that your final answer? That's my final okay. answer. It is not the arena. It does start with the though. Is the pit? The I don't pit. You've heard that one before. Oh, that's um, dope. Is it? Yeah. Is it down? It is. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, give it a look. I. So the only reason I knew this prior um, is partially from watching the Jim Valvano. Um, uh, partially from watching the Jim Valvano. Uh, bit, but also, or 3 for 30 there, uh, but also just I, I've heard that the pit is just one of the best um, places to play. It's literally on the baseline, too. It's like, that's there. It's beautiful. It's really cool. Yeah, um, I like it. Great home court advantage. I have been to New Mexico a couple times, actually. I've been to Albuquerque twice now. Um, it's about all they got going on out there, you know, f- as far as sports goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people get behind it. Like, it's really cool. I've never been to a game, uh, but definitely on the bucket list. Um, and yeah, really cool, really cool to see that. So, mm-hmm. all right, Graham, hit me. What's what do you got for me? Okay. In 1986, the LSU Tigers did something that not, has never been done before, when they made the Final Four as an 11 seed. Okay. Since then, four 11 seeds have made the Final Four. Can you name me three of them? Only three? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got one. It's VCU in 2011. There's one. I can tell you one. 
trying to think. I know one of them was recent. And maybe two of them were recent. I'm trying to think who. Oh, well, it would have been last year at UCLA. There's two. Okay. Um, um, gosh, this is a good question. I'm trying to think. Uh, was Loyola Chicago 11 that year? I know, you're not going to give me anything. I'm trying to think. I... No, they were because they played Miami in the first round, and Miami was a six seed. Gosh, I don't want to commit to that, though. I think it was... The fans are screaming at home right yeah, now. No. Um, yeah, sure. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go with the gut. There's three. Right, let's go. What's the fourth one? Just uh, okay, Let me try to get the fourth one. Do you have the fourth one on you? Mm-hmm. Right let me see if I can get the fourth one. Um, was it... No, because UConn was before that. Would have been. Gosh. Since 83. I feel like. Mm, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking maybe one of those Georgetown teams was an 11 seed. I'm thinking. I don't think it was UConn. I think the year that they made the final, those two years that they made the final four, they were, they were like a three seed and something else. It wasn't eleven. Um, Syracuse made a deep run as an eleven, but I don't think it was the final four. I don't know. Sure, let's go. Um, and then I also remember one because now because Florida State never made the final four. Okay, because Leonard Leonard Hamilton's never made the final four. Um, let's go Georgetown. Sure. As Incorrect. No, it's George Mason. It's George Mason. <laughs> ah. Gosh dang it. Okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because that was the year. That was like 06, I think, mm-hmm. when they did that. So. Yeah, LSU made it 1986. And then George Mason in 2006. Yeah. VCU in 2011. I remember that one because KU, that's, they played KU in the yeah. I knew that one. I, I knew that one for sure. And Loyola Chicago. Um, 17? 18. 18. And UCLA last year. Last year. Perfect. Okay, cool. Well, I like that. Let's, yeah, we're going to keep that around and we'll keep that bringing, keep bringing that back. Um, and we went down the Syracuse Pass. They were the first um, 10 seed to reach the final it four. Was a 10 seed that year. Oh my gosh, that's right. I remember, because I remember that. I do remember and that. And the 10 seed has made the lead eight seven times, with the most recent being in 2008. When the Davidson Mighty Wildcats oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Steph faced uh, Mario Chalmers in the game. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it, I, I will never forget that last possession because I remember that last possession, they're coming down, and obviously everyone knows they're trying to get the ball to Steph. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Kansas, Rusty Regal was pretty good <laughs> that year. Kansas had two guys on seven Curry because they were up two, I think. Gosh, I should know this. I think they were up two. Yeah, Kansas was up two. And they had both Brandon Rush and Russell Robinson. Oh, the microwave. The microwave, Brandon Rush. Dude, Brandon Rush was so sick. (laughs) Um, They had both of them, like, straight up just man-marking Steph. Like, like, no one was leaving that guy. This is um, something I'll have to look up real quick. But there was a time in the Davidson regular season game 
where Stephen Curry was double teamed the entire game. No help. No, I'm sure. The entire game. Um, I'll have to look up when double teamed entire game. Let's see what we got. Loyola, uh, Maryland, or Marymount. Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's yes. a little, little misspelled by my boy, HoopVision68. <laughs> yeah, Loyola Marymount did, um, they double teamed him the entire game. That's crazy. So he just stood in the corner the entire game as the perfect selfless basketball player that he is. Stood in the corner the entire game. Right. So it was a 4v3 the rest of the game. And they ran like this weird triangle zone. Because they only had three guys. Um, quick update before we go to the Muskie Minute, just to keep you updated. Nothing worth us hanging around for, but Texas Tech's up 20 on Iowa State now. That opened up quick. Um, and Florida State holding a comfortable seven-point lead over Duke right now. So we'll see how that one wraps up, and we'll talk about it next week um, once we're back on the pod. To wrap quickly, um, tough loss, obviously, against Villanova last week. Um, you know, I... Villanova is very good, um, but if there's any silver lining, is that that game was out of control, and it very much was in control. It came down to um, a missed a missed shot in the final possession, but you know, not, I'd say the next time we were in that scenario, and we have to play them in a championship game or even the tournament, if we play Villanova again, I I I would not be afraid to play them one bit. Okay. We we were right there with them. Yeah, I think. Um, I would say that I would agree. I think the first game was a more frustrating loss, uh, mm-hmm. going on the road and being up so big and giving it all back. Um, I think this game was more of just a, you know, seeing how tough we are. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, just Eric, Dix- Eric Dixon just pounded us down low. Um, so a tough finish there uh, for the Musketeers. But then revenge game on Saturday. Some unsure moments against Creighton for sure. Um, yeah. but, but really, really got out and, and really just kind of slammed the door on the way out. And, and truly, I do think um, – Starting to find a groove again. Going on the road to DePaul tomorrow. No slouch. DePaul just beat Seton Hall. They mm-hmm. got some momentum. Um, it is a good DePaul team. And then going on the road this weekend to Marquette, who I wouldn't say we struggled with at home, but it wasn't like a for sure victory either. So these these two next road games are going to be tough um, before we bring uh, – who's next after that? Uh, we bring Providence here. Yeah. Providence next Saturday uh, – or next Wednesday. Um at home, so again, that'll be a top 25 matchup. So, uh, obviously, barring you know back to back losses by Xavier uh, this weekend, that will probably be a top 25 matchup next Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. So, it'll be good to see. I'm looking forward to it. Um, can't wait to see you know these next two games and hopefully a couple, couple strong victories for, for the X Men. Mm-hmm. For sure. All righty, that'll wrap our recording 50 minutes. Jeez, man, we got to cut this down. <laughs> Uh, but no, I do love the new segments. You guys give us feedback. Um, we're, we'll probably try and condense that review period a little bit more. Um, get those more fun segments a little bit more kind of as we go on. Um, be on the lookout as well. We are going to launch an Instagram um, and or Twitter uh, here soon. Um, so definitely want at least one social media platform, if not multiple. Um, and just to kind of keep you guys updated on what we got going, uh, content, and uh, maybe some live action stuff. You know, we never know. You never know what we might might come up with maybe a little on-campus trivia or something, you know, some fun stuff like that. So just be on the lookout. We're trying to grow this thing. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you guys again for all listening. Um, have, it's crazy to see how the viewership or the listenership has grown uh, since we started this thing, so really cool to see. Um, but yeah, can't wait to uh, continue to grow this thing and can't wait for, uh, for more, many more episodes to come. So 
Again, thank you all for listening. Uh, Tuesday, January 18th, we're wrapping it. We're done. That's it. Good night.